You're listening to Accounting Matters, an accounting podcast powered by Embark about accounting matters, because accounting matters. From Embark's headquarters in Dallas, Texas, this is Accounting Matters, an accounting podcast powered by Embark. Hi, hello, good afternoon. It's great to be with each of you. I'm Zach Smith. I'm Embark's resident Tampa market president, and I'm joined with my co-host, Adam Olson, Embark's accounting advisory practice leader. On this week's episode, we'll be pivoting from our previous discussion on stock warrants and diving deep into the exciting and complex world of profit interest with the one, the only, Nicole Harder, a senior director in Embark's National Quality Group. Adam, Nicole, thanks so much for joining us. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Well, great. Well, listen, I know that we're here to talk today about profit interest reward. Do you mind giving our listeners a little bit of background on that? Yeah. So profit interests are basically just another form of compensation that certain entities can, you know, grant to their employees. You know, the purpose behind a profit interest is really to allow an employee to kind of share in the the upside of the entity. Um, you know, the profits themselves and monetize that typically through some type of exit event. So a change in control event or liquidation of the entity itself. Um, The awards often can be structured in ways also to incentivize employees to continue to provide to the overall growth of the organization, you know, establishing operating metrics and things like that that have to be achieved in order for those awards to vest. It's just another, like I said, a, a clever way to give you know your employees um, another benefit for providing services. Okay, so I think that's helpful, but what are some of the advantages to just issuing profits as a form of compensation to employees, maybe just versus cash, bonus structure, something else? Yeah, so profit interests themselves, um, from an accounting perspective, like US GAAP doesn't talk about profit interest at all. It's not defined at all. It's actually defined in kind of the IRS regulations. So a lot of the benefits for profit interest really um, reside with the employee from their taxable perspective. And I say that because profit interests essentially are kind of a tax-free, a non-taxable event when they're granted to an employee. And that's because they're generally presumed to have zero value at grant for tax purposes. Whereas on the contrary, if you were to grant um, an employee, you know, obviously cash bonus, you pay taxes on cash or even just capital, like capital interest or stock in the company itself would also be subject to tax for the employee. So this is just another like advantageous way to give compensation benefits to an employee, but not have them have the initial tax burden um, at the onset. And then an additional benefit to that is, um, you know, when those profit interests actually monetize. So the cash distributions that get paid out to the employees at some point in time, those are taxed at a lower tax rate because it's considered a capital gains event. And so it uses a capital gains tax rate versus their ordinary income rate. So less tax to pay on the award. Perfect. So it sounds like a win-win for the employee. Lower taxes plus more money. Always a good problem to have, right? But so help me understand a little bit more of why we're talking about this topic specifically. Does Embark see a lot of questions around profit interest? And are we seeing an increase in the number of entities using this this award as types of compensation for their employees? Yeah, it's definitely, you know, it's a popular choice of compensation. You definitely see it with specific entity types. And I say keep saying specific entity types because there are only certain types of entities that can actually issue profit interest under the IRS regs. And those are what we consider the, you know, deemed pass-through entities. So it's your 
you know, your partnership entities, it's your limited liability corporations, your LLCs um, or similar or types of entities that can actually issue the profit interest. And so those types of entities are often entering into these awards. Um, a lot of private equity groups, you know, they structure um, a lot of their portfolio companies with LLC holding companies above them that issue these types of rewards. And if that, as those have become more and more popular, we definitely see an uptick in people issuing these types of awards and get lots of questions on it from clients. So interesting, is there a certain type of employee that would receive this type of award? Is this executive level awards or does this go all the way down to analyst level, general employee level? It Theoretically, it could go to any employee. I would say typically it's probably reserved for more um, leadership type um, employees. So executives or um, senior management, you know, people at that level are typically the ones receiving the awards because, it, you know, it is an equity interest in, in the company itself. So don't generally see those being passed down to like the lower level employees. You know, companies may also have additional compensation plans or awards for those types of employees. And you know, maybe they have some stock options or other things that they issue to to different levels, but it kind of just depends on the organization. But I would say in general, what we see, it's it's generally the upper management groups. Okay, so I'm hearing upsides yep. to receiving this, lower taxes, cash in the bank, uh, distribution of profits. What about some of the downsides to consider if a company is in a partnership or an LLC and is thinking about issuing some of these awards? Yeah, so I'll, I'll caveat we're not we're not a like a tax per se yeah, podcast, yeah. <laughs> um, but a lot of the disadvantages actually do relate to taxes because again, like this is you know the genesis of a profit interest was was codified in, by the IRS more or less. Um, <clears throat> so typically, what happens with a profit interest when you grant that to an employee, the employee no longer is viewed as an employee of the business anymore. They're considered an owner or member. Um, of that business. And so typically what happens is that the employee, you know, the company is no longer going to withhold taxes for the employee like they would on, you know, you, you get your W-2 with all your taxes withheld. Um, the employee instead is now be kind of viewed as a partner of the business or a member of the business. And so they're going to have to file their own kind of quarterly estimated tax payments. And, you know, they'll get a K-1 from the entity itself for their earnings that get paid out. Um, so there are some additional kind of like administrative paperwork things that, you know, a recipient of a profit interest may have to deal with. Um, another drawback is, you know, for the company itself, because the awards are issued and they generally have zero value or they have no value when they're granted to the employees is the company that aren't able to take the benefit of deducting that compensation expense on their own tax returns because there's no value associated with that, that point in time. So that's another downside. Um, I will say there are like more complex tax structuring that I've read about um, where, you know, entities now are structuring it in a way where employees who do receive profit interest can still remain an employee for one entity because the profit interest is issued through another entity. And so they're a partner of another entity. So there are some like complexities that can be worked out if you get the right, you know, kind of tax structuring partners to help you out and sort through all the logistics there. So. Like I said, you know, a little more work for the employees themselves, but, you know, if you think about it, if the award is for a, a viable company, you know, there's a lot of upside that they can get at some point down the road. Yeah, it sounds incredible. So let's switch gears. Nicole, it'd be interested to know your thoughts uh, moving into a gap accounting for these for these awards and some of the nuances that we have there. Since these profit interests are an alternative for, 
form of equity compensation, are they essentially treated like other equity awards from compensation in exchanges for services like traditional stock options and restricted shares? Or are they more nuanced? Or And how do we think about that from an accounting treatment perspective? Yeah, so not necessarily. Um, while the legal form of these awards is equity, the actual awards characteristics may be in substance akin to a performance bonus. So. Um, therefore, the awards should be accounted for based on the basis of its substance, um, which does create a need to really evaluate the terms and conditions to understand um, the merits and apply judgment. Okay, so like anything in accounting, it always <laughs> depends and there's lots of nuances. But what guidance do we need to look at apply here since you mentioned judgment? Yep. Uh, and before we jump into determining the basis of those awards, can you talk about the different guidance this type of award could be accounted for under? Yep, so that's the obvious starting point, right? Profits interest awards are accounted for either under ASC 718 or 710. So ASC 718 specifically addresses stock-based compensation arrangements, while performance bonus, deferred compensation, profit sharing, things like that are accounted for under ASC 710. Got it. Yeah, and, and the reason we get, you, know, you were mentioning, like, do we get a lot of questions on this from clients and things like that? And, and the answer is yes. And it's, it's often because it's difficult sometimes for our clients to determine, like, which guidance should we apply here? Should it be accounted for as stock comp under 718 or, you know, some type of profit sharing arrangement under 710? Um, I will caveat, though, if, you know, the payment of the award um, is required to be settled in or at, or based at least in part on the price of the entity's own stock, um, the arrangement is going to fall under 718. Um, but when it's not that explicitly, then you kind of have to look to you know a bunch of other factors and you know look at the basis of the award, which I know Nicole mentioned. So I'm sure we'll get into that next. Yeah, interesting. So it sounds like we have a fork in the road here. But how does a reporting entity actually determine which path to walk down when they're assessing the profit interest awards? Yeah, so that's a great way to put it. Um, an entity will need to assess all of the awards terms and conditions in order to determine which. Um, accounting model is appropriate and how the award should actually be accounted for. So if the award, as kind of Adam alluded to, if the award is determined to be more equity-like, it should be accounted for under ASC 718. Um, if it's considered to be more compensatory, so um, it'll be accounted for under ASC 710. And when you're making this judgment, all relevant features of the special class must be considered Again, judgment is needed. There are no bright lines or easy to apply tests or checklists. Um, instead, in practice, there's a list of common indicators, uh, is what we'll refer to, that have been developed that most used to help evaluate which model the awards fall under. Okay, so walk me through the different terms and the features of an award and some of these indicators to consider because it sounds quite complex, <laughs> right? And I think, help me also understand why we need to be thinking of it this way. Yep. So um, to start, it's just it's important to emphasize that you know this list of indicators, um, none of them are determinative on their own. So each one must be considered and weighed in conjunction with the with all remaining indicators. Um, some indicators are considered more key indicators and should carry more weight, while others um, are what I'll refer to as other indicators, if that makes sense. 
Yeah, so makes perfect sense. <laughs> you know where I'm gonna go with this, Nicole. So let's talk indicators. So help me understand the difference between the two. Um, and maybe we'll start with key indicators yep. first. Yep. Um, so the first key indicator is to assess actually how the value of the award is determined. So Adam touched on this a little bit. If the value of the award is based on the value of the entity's equity, um, this indicates that the award should be accounted for under 718. On the flip side, if the value of the award is fixed or based on a formula that does not include the fair value of the entity's equity as a metric, this would indicate 710. Keep in mind, most profit interest awards do include a threshold which must be attained before profits interest holders can receive distributions. Um, this may be referred to with terms such as a hurdle or waterfall. Um, and these types of thresholds would not indicate on its own that the award value is formula based. Um, the second key ind indicator to assess is settlement features. So if vested awards can survive a change of control um, or liquidity event, this would indicate 718. However, if the awards are actually contractually required to be settled or terminated, then it, it indicates 710. Got it, okay. I think I understand. So specifically for the settlement feature assessment, is it just the vested awards that can survive a liquidity event or they must survive the liquidity event? Yeah, so that's a great question. The vested awards are not required to survive a liquidity event. The key here is that the vested, if the vested awards are contractually required to be terminated or settle upon an exit event. So if that's the case, then it leads more towards 710. Got it, okay. So now termination I know often comes up with equity compensation awards, but how does that come into play here when we talk profit interest awards? Yep, so generally when an employee can retain vested awards upon termination, um, this would be an indicator that the award you know, leans more towards 718. Um, this also holds, holds true even if the employer has an option to repurchase the vested awards, so long as the repurchase price is set at fair value. On the other hand, if vested awards are forfeited upon termination, that indicator is more akin to 710. Um, this would also be the case with a repurchase feature that is automatic at an amount other than fair value. That makes sense. Thanks, Nicole. So Adam, though, are there any other key indicators that need to be assessed? Yeah, there's a couple more um, that you'll want to think through. I guess maybe just stepping back for a hot second here. Um, <laughs> you know, we're talking about a bunch of indicators here. So if you are someone that's evaluating a profits interest award that you have and you're trying to comb through like the codification looking for this in 718 or 710, you're not going to find it. So a lot of what's developed in practice is these kind of indicator tests. And those really were derived from like an SEC um, speech that was provided with some context of how people should think through that. And so from that, over time and in practice, this is kind of what people have been doing to help evaluate these awards. So so like I said, there is that's what makes this even harder is just there is limited guidance out there. And so like when we say judgment, there's a lot of judgment. Why do you think that is? Why is there so, if, if we're receiving so many calls on a day in and day out basis, and you you told me before we started this that you spend a majority of your time looking through profit interest and, and managing some of the activities around that, why do you think there's such limited guidance? So that's a great question about why we get so many calls and you know, why it's so complicated and complex right now. And, you know, it is a 
It's a question that our clients ask us, you know, what do we see? What do we hear? Um, you know, I know auditors themselves have a lot of, they need a lot of scrutiny around this as well, but, um, you know, just a sneak peek and I, and I know we're doing kind of a, a two-parter here. So definitely want to tune into part two. Um, but there is a potential project, um, in the works that may address some of the, the, uh, complexity or judgment that has to be currently applied and make it a little bit more straightforward. Gosh, all right. Quite a <laughs> teaser there, Alex. I know. I appreciate that. I hate to leave people hanging, but... Hang but to get back to your question, so there's a couple more um, indicators that maybe you want to keep in mind. So an- another thing to think about is um, any other potential cash bonus plans that the entity may have. So, and, and what I mean by that is, you know, we talked about at the onset of this episode is that profit interests are often issued as just another form of compensation that pass-through entities have available to them to give to their employees. And so a lot of people will argue that if the company itself offers no other type of bonus plan um, to their employees, it's really just the profit's interest then you know maybe it's suggesting that the profit interest rewards really are more like a um a profit sharing bonus plan versus like a 718 kind of stock compensation award which would be under 710 then correct but if you know the employees also have you know they got other bonus plans a cash bonus or options or other things and this is just an additional form of compensation or benefit they may provide to employees for services then you know there's a consensus that well you know maybe it leans more towards potentially being a 718 type of board okay um and then the last one is around distributions so and what i mean by distributions is like what ultimately gets paid out to the interest holder here and so you know when distributions um, can occur prior to an exit event. So most profit interests typically just monetize when there's an exit event, so a change in control or a liquidation of the entity. But if there is the ability to potentially pay distributions other than an exit event, so maybe the board or whoever controls the profit interest has discretion to distribute to interest holders you know, when they decide. It's a discretionary type of distribution. You know, that would point towards a 718 type award, um, whereas if, you know, really the only way the award can be paid out is through um, kind of a liquidation or exit event and it's contractually required that that's the only time it can be done, then it kind of points towards it's more of a 718. It's like a bonus payment at that one point in time. Okay. Okay. Well, so it sounds like we've gone through all the key indicators and Nicole had also noted that there were some other indicators that could help point towards which accounting path to take as it relates to the profit interest awards. Can you talk about some of those other indicators? Yeah, yeah. So there are other indicators that are used in practice. So obviously, you know, start with those first several we talked about. And I think it's more like once you've gone through those, if you're kind of looking holistically at what's left and you're still, you know, it's undecided or it seems like it's not clear that it's leaning one way or another, that's where these other indicators then would kind of be used as like a secondary analysis if you want. So when you're going through that kind of secondary analysis, so you're, you've done those key indicator assessments and you're, you're still not certain and you're looking to these other indicators, you know, you might think of something such as like voting rights. I will say generally profit interest do not you know, provide the holders any voting rights. So, you know, it it may be a very simple analysis that there are no voting rights, which is generally kind of viewed more as an indicator of um, a profit sharing or bonus type structure under 710. 
Whereas voting rights, you know, it's an indicator that you're an equity holder, right? Like equity holders generally have the right to vote and um, that would allude towards 718. Other indicators there are kind of related to just specific rights within the award itself. So you'll hear things referred to as like preemptive rights, tag along rights, drag along rights that exist within the terms of the profit interest award. Sounds like a Girl Scout cookie recipe. <laughs> tag alongs, drag alongs, recipe. Yeah, so, um, so tag along rights are basically like if, you know, the company, you know, goes to sell um, parts, you know, shares of the company to a third party, other equity holders are allowed to take part in that sale um, under the same terms and conditions. Drag-along rights are like where you could almost force other equity holders, so the profit interest holders, to join the sale of a company to a third party. So those types of rights, you know, generally point towards kind of an equity ownership interest. So that's a 718 indicator. Typically, if those those rights are present, if they're not present, you know, then, you know, it, it may suggest that it, it potentially could be 710. But like I said, these these indicators here aren't as significant, I guess, as those key indicators, but, you know, valid to consider if you're still uncertain. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Nicole, question for you. Are there any indicators that you see entities considering that quite frankly, just don't carry much weight in the analysis and anything maybe that they're getting hung up on when they're thinking about these things? Yes. So um, as previously mentioned, profits, interests are by definition a legal form of equity. So because of this, this indicator is generally neutral and doesn't carry much weight. It's black or white. Yeah. Yes or no, right? <laughs> then thinking about transferability of the award upon vesting, that's also a factor that generally isn't determinative. This is because it's very common for private companies who are the ones mostly issuing these types of awards um, to have tight restrictions on or preclude altogether the transferability of issued shares, meaning like they can't actually transfer the shares to somebody else. And then lastly, some awards may require an initial investment. That's another one that doesn't really carry much weight. Many share-based payment awards don't require an initial investment. So again, this is another indicator alone that isn't determinative. But so I hear you, but what about management's intent behind the issuance of the awards? That ha- that has to be worth something, right? <laughs> yes, um, it is. But what management intended when creating the award is not um, a key indicator, if you will. Um, If management intended the profits interest to provide the holder with an incentive bonus of some sort um, upon an exit event, that obviously would lean more towards 710. However, if they intended to provide the holders with an equity interest, then again, that leans towards 718. So so then can management conclude on the appropriate accounting model simply based on what they intend? Is that how that works? Um, no. So okay. <laughs> just like I tell my kids, you can't always get what you want. It's kind of similar there. So it is important for management to weigh all of the indicators, especially those key indicators, um, like Adam mentioned, um, in addition to their intention for the award when concluding on the appropriate accounting model. Got it. So and just add, let me add in something real quickly here, like yeah. on those um, kind of non-determinative indicators, I, I think it's important to like raise those because we see companies go through the effort of evaluating those when they're kind of doing the analysis and it really doesn't move the needle that much. So just something like you don't necessarily have to consider. I think there's publications out there that may list some of those non-determinative indicators as something to think through, but 
it's rare that any of those are actually going to like probably change the answer. Yeah. So, okay. I, I think that's helpful and a good additional context. But so we've talked through the potential different terms of a profit interest award and how those can lean towards accounting under either ASC 718 or under 710. But how do we make that decision? Is it simply keeping a tally? Uh, no. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so don't necessarily think of it like you've got like a 718 versus 710 scoreboard. You know, okay. you're not like point for you, point for you. Um, it, it may seem like that in a way, but really you want to, you know, think about the award holistically and your assessment of the indicators holistically. Um, you know, not all of the indicators, depending on your award, may even be relevant, right? So, like, we listed a bunch out here, but not every single profit interest, you know, has all these different features in it that necessarily could move the needle one way or another. So, you know, there's not a single answer that almost all profit interests always fall into. Um, so, you definitely have to apply that judgment and, you know, think through and don't take any kind of shortcuts to get to the answer. So, you know, do your due diligence, spend time on it, um, you know, engage specialists if you need to help go through the assessment. Sometimes these things can be pretty complex. Um, you know, talk with your auditors. You know, there's, there's definitely, I would say, preference. Not Maybe not a preference isn't the right word, but maybe just kind of a, an attitude or a shift in people's mindsets that a lot more of these awards t- tend to fall under 718 yeah. uh, more so. Um, and I, you know, I, I tend to see that's where most of them end up. So, you know, if you really are kind of falling the other way, not saying you can't because there are, obviously there's um, precedent for falling into 710 or 718, uh, but just make sure you've done your due diligence and kind of run those conclusions by um, your auditors so everyone's kind of on the same page. Now that our listeners know how to conclude on which accounting model to use, uh, how about you walk us through the accounting for both models? Sure can, but uh, maybe do that next time. All right, well, we'll go ahead and end the conversation right here with that teaser. Hey, listen, I truly appreciate the perspective and insight that both of you brought to today's conversation. And thank you so much for being here uh, and discussing the importance of this topic with the accounting world. So uh, until next time, we'll wait to hear uh, for part two of the Profit Interest Rewards podcast. This podcast is for general informational purposes only. Embark makes no representation or warranty as to the accuracy or completeness of the information contained in the podcast series. And it should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors. Information discussed in our podcast may also be superseded by new guidance or as new interpretations emerge. Listeners are cautioned to carefully evaluate any relevant subsequent authoritative guidance issued.